I wonder if you will put your hands together and welcome evangelist Dan Mundy and the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't you find somebody close to you, tell them they look good on Sunday night. Y'all act like you've done that before. Amen. How many thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. What an honor and privilege it is for us to be here Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to be here tonight. And uh, we do not uh, take this for granted or lightly, but we're just so privileged and honored to be here with you. He announced I was a singer. I thought I was a singer. So I heard these guys singing tonight. I think I'm going to quit now. Dear Lord. I said, where have they been hiding them guys at? What a great, great, not only great singing tonight, but great anointing, which is evident by the moving of the Holy Ghost that's in this place tonight. And uh, I know you feel so blessed. I give honor tonight in his absence to Bishop Wilson and his wife. Love and appreciate them. And uh, <clears throat> Brother Wilson has a way, a unique way of always making you feel like that you're the only person on the planet. <laughs> and uh, we're so thankful for them. Give honor tonight to my friend, Pastor Voskis. I don't just say this because I'm here. I'm not trying to butter him up, but he is one of my favorite preachers. I know he's... Now look, go ahead. Go ahead. Give him some, give him some honor. If I were you and an evangelist showed up, I'd be mad. I would be mad. I'd be like, I want to hear my pastor preach. He preached the spring conference in Indiana just a few weeks ago, and wow, what a masterpiece he preached. And I've always, always enjoyed listening to Pastor Voskis preach. Give honor to his family tonight as well. Love them so much. Amen. Is it all right if I preach for just a few moments tonight? One guy said it like this, I'm going to try to be like Domino's Pizza, which y'all know what that is around here? All right, I didn't see no Domino's anywhere close. <laughs> 30 minutes? Well, I'm going to try to be like Domino's, hot and fresh in 30 minutes or less. Amen. It all started with a group of mostly men, just a few over 100. They got together and their movement was doomed to fail from the beginning. They were a collection of illiterate, poor, blue-collar workers. They would be far too ignorant to stage an uprising that could ever make a real difference. Few, if it, few I'm sorry, if it any, had ever traveled beyond their own country. They were inexperienced and uncultured. Their people were weary, their government corrupt, and their religion was shallow. The strategy of the movement was disastrous. No headquarters was ever established. No professional research was ever done. Plans were made by the seat of their pants and their leaders couldn't even agree on the exact definition of their mission. On top of all of this, their movement was impractical. It was far too extreme and absurd. It demanded too much too soon. It lacked any tact. It was too impatient with tra to traditions, I'm sorry. It called for reversal of social classes. It gave too much leverage to women and minority groups. The movement was doomed to fail, but it didn't fail. <laughs> it succeeded, and not only did it succeed, 
but it surpassed any movement in the history of the world. Within 30 years, their message had entered every port, every city, and every courtyard. It was infectious and it was contagious. It was a moving organism and people gave their lives to see it continue. In case you haven't figured it out tonight, I'm talking about the church. The church will never be stopped. The church may slow down. It may bicker and fight. The people may grow crusty with traditions and the leaders may sometimes grow nearsighted, but the church will march on. It may have grown bleak in dark times, but never has, nor will it ever be stopped. It's not a man-made thing, it's a God thing, which is why it could never have failed to begin with. Somebody ought to thank God for the church tonight. If you'll meet me in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, honored as well to have my wife here tonight. Two weeks ago, we married off our oldest daughter, they told me I wasn't losing a daughter, I was gaining a son. It sure feels like I lost a daughter. My youngest daughter said, if she's not going to be traveling with y'all, I'm not traveling with y'all. So she's at grandma and grandpa's house and fixing to start college this fall. So overnight we became empty nesters. Y'all just pray for us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Somebody say my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to preach tonight for just a few moments what's wrong with the church. What's wrong with the church? Before you're seated tonight, would you find two or three people around you, beside you, behind you, and ask them, what's wrong with the church? Amen. Be seated in Jesus' name. The word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, meaning a called out assembly or the gathering of people into some public place. I like that definition and it rings truer today than it has in the past. For you understand that last year for several weeks we were not able to gather together in a public place. We were relegated to watching church on our couches and our recliners and our living room kitchen tables. I'm thankful that I know the church is a called out assembly. It's a gathering of people into a public place. The first time we ever see the word church in scripture is in our text when 
Jesus tells Peter he's going to build his church upon the revelation of who Jesus Christ is and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm in an apostolic church tonight, but let me just tell you, any church that isn't built upon the foundation and revelation of Jesus Christ is an imposter and not a part of the New Testament church. Church is a very interesting thing to me because when God created something in the Old Testament, he simply spoke it into existence. He would take time to get his hands dirty as he formed man. But when it came time for the church, he didn't speak it into existence. He didn't form it with his hands. Rather, the Bible tells us that with his own blood, he bought the church. He purchased the church, and I'm thankful tonight to be a part of the church. He paid for it with his own blood. I heard somebody say several years ago, talking about crucifixion, the burial of Jesus. The Bible tells us that they laid him in a buried, or a borrowed, I'm sorry, a borrowed tomb. I said, why would Jesus borrow a tomb? We know the answer to that. You're not going to borrow something that you're only going to need. You're not going to buy something you're only going to need for three days. So he just borrowed it. But he bought the church. He bought you. It wasn't with a temporary mindset that he paid for the church, but he said, rather, I'm going to create an institution that people can gather in and receive salvation. And Peter declared it wasn't just for the day of Pentecost, but rather for his children, their children, your children, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He purchased the church, and I'm thankful to be a part of it tonight. Although we don't see the word for church or the word church, I'm sorry, until the New Testament, we do see the word for church in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, the book of church. And in a world that's downplaying the role of a pastor these days, I find it very fitting that the book of Ecclesiastes or the book of church starts out like this. The words of the preacher, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem. I say tonight that for some, the main reason for church may have been modified to be a concert, a social club. But I'm glad I know church is where I show up to hear from my man of God. Church is where I receive the preached word of God. If you're thankful for your preacher tonight, why don't you give him a hand clap right now? Why don't you thank God? God for a man that'll stand behind the pulpit and declare thus saith the word of the Lord. I grew up in a revival church, Pastor. I grew up in services where it wasn't very uncommon. They'd start off much like tonight's did. Things would just get out of control and the man of God would never step to the pulpit and open his Bible. Somebody would say, how was church tonight? And we say, man, it was good. We didn't even have any preaching. <laughs> Shame on us for celebrating services where the preacher doesn't get to preach. 
And shame on us for creating service agendas and programs where the preached word of God takes a back seat to something shallow and temporal. I say when I show up at the house of God, give me the word. Preach to me the word. A song didn't save you. A shout didn't save you. But the word of God. If you got the Holy Ghost here tonight, there's a preacher somewhere to thank for preaching you truth. So what's wrong with the church? Now we could get, we could get real, real serious tonight. We could take a look at the book of Revelation. We could find out what was wrong with the church. John said there's some things wrong with the church. He said you've lost your first love. You've tolerated a Jezebel spirit. You've deviated from doctrine. He said there's some things, but I want to be just a little more practical tonight. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but a little more down, down to earth here. I'm not going to try to explain what John was saying, but I want to talk about what's wrong with the church. I reckon I could pass this microphone tonight to some brave souls, and you could tell us what you think's wrong with the church. Or better yet, we could just go on Facebook. See what the cowardly keyboard warriors have to say about it. What's wrong with the church? I don't like the music. I don't like the song they sang tonight. I didn't like pastor's message last week. I didn't like what Sister Vasquez was wearing to church. I don't like the color of the carpet. I think the sound's too loud. I don't think it's loud enough. Yeah, it's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. Pick it apart. Some of you that are real, real holy are like, no, no, but you know what's up. When you go home tonight, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be talking about it. What so-and-so looked like and how so-and-so worshiped and what they did back there and what the youth department's doing these days. I don't know if I like them going there and doing all that. And I don't like what they got going over here. And, and you know, we all got likes and dislikes. We could all find something wrong with the church. How somebody treated you, what somebody said. It's all kinds of things we could talk about. I'm often reminded of the very humorous story of the man who spent five years on a deserted island. I'm not referring to Tom Hanks tonight. Some of the young people are saying, who? <laughs> man was left on a deserted island and finally one day he was rescued the people that were rescuing him noticed that he had built three huts. They were quite intrigued by this. They, they were enamored by this. They, he was ready to go, man. They said, we want to talk about this. What have, you, what have you been by yourself? Look at the ingenuity. Look at what you've done here. Tell us about what you've built here. And he said, well, this first hut was my house. You see, I understood if I was ever going to make it, I was going to have to get out of the elements in the day and out of the elements at night. And so I had to have me a place I could go. So that's the first thing I built was a house. And there I take refuge from the heat of the day and from the cool of the night. And Okay, what's the second place? Well, the second, well, that's my church. You see, I'm a very righteous and holy man. And matter of fact, I've been in that church praying every day to be rescued. And here you are. God has answered my prayer. That second building is my church. They said, well, what's the third building? And he said, oh, well, that's my old church. 
That's where I used to go. (laughs) Charles Sturgeon was asked by a man, where's the perfect church? To which he responded, I don't know, but if you find it, don't go because you'll mess it up. If I could say it very nicely tonight, simply put, the reason why the church has so many problems is because it is occupied and overseen by imperfect people. Bottom line, it's ran by and attended by people that are not perfect. However, God, knowing how we would mess things up, God, knowing we were imperfect, knowing how we would be sometimes, went on record to say, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together more you see the day approaching hear me today I don't care what's wrong with the church I'm going I don't care what I gotta wait through I said get me to the house of God you need a church in your life you need a pastor in your life I don't care what's going wrong at the church I don't care what this one says I don't care how this one runs it down I'm thankful for the church tonight I've heard people's opinions. I've read people's opinions. I know what people are saying. I know how people are picking it apart. But I showed up on a Sunday night to declare, you better shut the mouth of the lion. You better tell them, hey, you're not going to talk about God purchased it with his blood. You're not going to run down the church of the living God. I know it's not perfect. I know it's got issues. I know it's got problems. But I'm going to the church. And I feel so strongly about it right now. I'm going to do something very unorthodox right in the middle of my sermon. I'm changing my title because I'm tired of hearing about what's wrong with the church. I'm going to start preaching what's right with the church. I want to talk about what's going on at the church. I want to talk about people getting baptized at the church. I want to talk about people getting healed at the church. I want to talk about lives being changed at the church. I'm thankful for the church. I ain't got time to hear what's wrong with it. I want to hear what's right about it. He purchased it with his blood. Let me testify. Church is where I got saved. Anybody remember where you were when you got the Holy Ghost? Anybody remember where you were when you got baptized? Anybody remember where you were when God healed you? Anybody remember where you were when God delivered you? It was more than likely it happened at church. You ought to thank God for the greatest institution ever created. And as we get closer and closer to the end time, let me just say, you go on and trust your bank if you want to. You go ahead and trust the stock market if you want to. You go ahead and trust Washington, the schoolhouse, whatever you want to. But I say the only hope we have is in a living, breathing, on on fire church. I'm thankful for the church tonight. My fondest memories growing up were in the church. I got dedicated in the church. All my closest friends are in the church. 
Some of my greatest memories growing up were at church camp, national youth conference, and local youth services. I met my wife for the first time at a church service. I got married at a church. I dedicated, baptized, and watched my kids receive the gift of the Holy Ghost at the church. And while I'm there, let me say this, parents, you better make sure church attendance isn't debatable in your house. You better never let church take a backseat to sports, school events, or sleeping in on Sunday. The greatest thing you could ever do for your kids is teach them a love and how to be faithful for the church. We shouldn't be looking for any reason to miss church. But church should be our excuse for missing everything else. Huh? Huh? My God, in the Monday household, my kids don't wake up on Sunday and say, well, Dad, are we going to church today? Have you lost your mind? It's the Lord's day. We're going to the house of the Lord. I'm thankful for the church. Why do I need the church? Ask somebody next to you. So glad you asked. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Let's go to church. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Two are better than one. They have a good reward for their labor. This is why you need the church. Because church is where your brothers and your sisters are at. You don't have to fight it alone. You don't have to carry it alone. You can show up at the house of God and there you can join with a brother. There you can join with a sister and there you can fight together. I don't have a brother, a physical brother. I got a brother-in-law, two brother-in-laws actually. I was best friends with some brothers growing up and I noticed something about them. I watched them fight each other like crazy. But don't you dare let me pick on one of them because they will fight against you. They'll, they'll defend each other. My God, it ought to be the same way in the church. There's another scripture that said a brother was born for adversity. I think people take that to mean I have a brother to fight with. A brother was born for adversity, not to fight against, but to fight with. That means I can show up at the house of God and when I'm weak, Brother Austin may be strong and hold me up. When he shows up and he's weak, I may be strong and hold him up. I got a brother, I got a sister, but I gotta get to the house of God to draw strength from them. My God, we got to get past this mindset that when somebody falls, we dismiss them, we leave them down, we walk away. I say we better learn how to be spiritual. Correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor. I find one prerequisite for being spiritual in the Bible. Let ye who are spiritual restore. If you ain't in the restoring business, all you did was reveal your lack of spiritual discipline. I say we better learn how to love unconditionally. We better learn how to lift up a brother. We better learn how to be streak or uh, strong when they're weak. We better learn how to stand with a brother. Yeah. 
my brothers at the church. Why else do I need the church? <laughs> In Acts 5, Peter and some of, his, some of the apostles were arrested for preaching. The angel of the Lord delivers them, walks them out, and them jokers go right back to preaching. <laughs> I love it, the boldness. They just got thrown in jail, but they said, you know, we don't care. We're going right back to it. They collect them again. They gather them up. We don't even know how y'all got out, but what are you doing? They just ready to put them to death. And the Bible said an old boy named Gamaliel rose up and made this statement. He said, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found to fight against God. Hear me. Another reason you need the church is because God will always defend his church. God will always fight for his church. Gamaliel said, hey, don't think you're ever going to fight against God and win. These boys, if they're really of God, you better leave them alone because God will defend them. God takes it very personally when people mess with his kids. Paul, before his conversion, was a man named Saul who persecuted Christians. He went around executing Christians, carrying out the death sentence. On the road to Damascus, on his way to carry out another execution, God knocked him to the ground. Saul had been persecuting Christians, but the voice of God rang out and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Because when you mess with God's people, it's just like messing with God. And don't think you're ever going to win a battle against God. Hear me, you cannot fight the church and ever think you're going to win. You can't ever think you're going to win against God. If you're in the church of the living God, not only do you got a brother, but you got God Almighty and he's for you tonight. When Hannah needed a miracle, she went to church. When David was in trouble, he ran to the church. When Hezekiah needed an answer, he went to church. Adjani needed safety and grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar at church. Peter and John went daily to pray at the church. Uh, Joshua followed Moses to experience the glory and tarried after Moses left at the church. The priest sacrificed and got remission for the people's sin at the church. Moses built God a tabernacle in the wilderness. David prepared and Solomon built him a permanent temple. No wonder David made the statement, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now watch me here. David gets a lot of credit for things he really didn't say. The book of Psalms is filled over half of which David wrote but many are credited to David many times that he was not the author of. The Bible says in the Old Testament, a man rose up against Moses. He said, Moses, you take too much on yourself. You think a little high of yourself. 
we can all do what you do. Korah rose up. The interesting thing about that is if you look at the Levitical priesthood and their responsibilities broke into three sets, Korah's family had the distinct honor of carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. What a great responsibility. Moses looked at him and said, is it a small thing to you? You're carrying the presence of God. You're carrying the glory of God. Is that too small of a thing for you that you would desire to usurp the position of pastor? Moses declared, who's on the Lord's side? And you know the story. The next day, the earth swallowed up Korah and his followers. The Bible said in the book of Psalms that the sons of Korah recorded some words. Leads me to believe that some of those boys some of those ancestors, they, they didn't stand with Korah that day, but they stood with the Lord and they stood with Moses because they would put pen to paper and they would declare in the book of Psalms these words, ah, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. They were the ones that went on record and said, better is one day in God's house than a thousand somewhere else. They understood what their father's mistake was and they said hey we may never be able to do anything but be a door greeter just don't keep us from the house of God we know better is one day in his presence than a thousand somewhere else don't keep us from the house of God we love the church I'm hurrying another one of those writers in the book of Psalms that David almost always gets credit for was written by a man by the name of Asaph. Asaph, if you want to read, he writes in the book of Psalms 73 and for 17 verses, he just lays it out there. He's the man that said, as for me, my feet were almost gone when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph said, man, I got to looking around. 17 verses, he just airs out a complaint. He said, I'm looking around and this is all I see. He said, I'm, I'm doing everything I can and I look around me and everybody else is getting better while it seems like I'm getting worse. I go to work every day and everybody else around me is prospering and I'm just trying to make it. It looks like that the evildoers, the wicked men in this world are advancing. Meanwhile, I try to take a step forward only to be pushed back twice. I'm kind of creating my own verbiage here tonight, but you get the point. 17 verses, Asaph lays it out and says, man, I look around and it's it's rough. I don't understand sometimes what's going on. But then he gets to verse 17 and there he makes a statement. Verse 17 says, until I went to the sanctuary of God. He said, my perspective changed once I got to the house of God. He said, I was having a bad week. I was having a bad month. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. But then I went to church and all of a sudden I understood some things I got the victory because I went to church my, perspe my perception it changed dramatically 
once I went to church. That's why I say, I'm going to be here on Sunday. I'm going to be here Wednesday night Bible study. I'm going to be here at prayer meeting. I'm going to be here on youth night. I go to work. I go into this world. I go to school. And everything around me tries to cloud my mind and my judgment. But I'm thankful I can go to the church and the man of God can preach words of life straight out of God's word. And there, my whole perspective gets changed at the church. Somebody ought to clap your hands right now and thank God for the church. Church is still relevant. I know we live in a world where people say, well, if I go, I go. If I don't, I don't. It's not that big of a deal. I had had an uncle tell me one time, Pastor, He said, me and Jesus, we're in the wilderness together. It's just me and him. I don't really need a church. I talk to God on my own. Lost everything he had gambling. Seen his kids all go through divorces. Family just in ruins. He didn't need a church. Him and God had their own thing going. Hear me when I tell you. You need the church. You need the church. And if you think you don't, that's all the more reason why you do need the church. Anybody, hear me as I start to close. Anybody who says church isn't essential is propagating fake news. You need the church. Come to the music if you would. Watch me here. Pastor Jerry Jones, in his book, We Preach, says this. It's estimated that between 130 and 150 million Americans attend church every Sunday. That means more Americans gather in church on any given weekend than gather in sports stadiums and arenas to watch games during the entire NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons combined. There are 2,420 games in a Major League Baseball season, but more people will show up at church this weekend than the attendance of the entire Major League Baseball season. NASCAR boasts the largest attendance in sports, but this weekend more will come to church than the attendance of races for the next four years combined. The Super Bowl is the most watched sporting event each year with those that attend and watch on TV, but there'll be more in church this weekend than watch the Super Bowl. The movie house sells 1.27 billion tickets every year yet in just 10 Sundays there'll be more attending church than goes to the movies for an entire year. With that in mind shouldn't it be said that church and preaching is America's pastime and not baseball? I posed a question at the beginning of this sermon, what's wrong with the church? And it was rhetorical, but I'm gonna answer it anyway. What's wrong with the church? I don't care because I need it in my life. 
Watch me here. Whatever hypocrisy I have to wade through, the church is worth it. Whatever shame and condemnation people may toss at me, I need the church. Whatever personal conviction I may have to endure, all the reason why I need the church. I need my brothers and my sisters. I need corporate worship time together. I need fellowship, but most of all, I need a man of God to point his finger at me and to Declare to me and my family, this is how you get saved and this is how you stay saved. I'm thankful for the church. I wonder if you'd stand all over this house. I'm thankful for the church. You ought, to, you ought to take this to heart tonight. Next time you hear somebody trying to run down this church or any church that preaches truth, you ought to stand up and say, hold on a second. Are you talking about the thing? Are you talking about the institution? Are you talking about what God died for? Please don't tell me you're going to run down the church. I'm tired of hearing about what's wrong with it. I'm thankful for the church. I say he gave his life for it. I'll give my life for it. I wonder if a group of people would step out of your seat right now and make your way to an altar somewhere and just let God infuse you once again with a passion for the church. Come on, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, tonight would be a good night to come up here and seek his face. If you've never been baptized for the remission of sins, you can be buried into the church. There's no membership fee. There's no cost to enter. All you had to be born into this church and you're born through repentance, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, I feel impressed right now. I know some of these are praying and that's fine, but I want us to come together tonight. Sister, why don't you find a sister? Brother, why don't you find a brother? Come on, let's go to church together. Let's take one another by the hand. Put your arm around somebody right now. Pray with somebody right now. Intercede with somebody right now. Come on, some of you need a perspective change. Some of you need to let God change your mind about some things right now. I just thought I couldn't make it. I just thought I was worthless. I just thought I couldn't do it. But God somehow right now is imparting strength to me. I believe I can make it another week. I believe I can make it another few days. I believe with a brother beside me and a sister beside it's not that bad. It's not as bad as I thought it was. I thought I was depressed, but I feel the joy of the Lord's starting to come on me right now.
the Holy Ghost leads you right now. Lead, go to somebody and pray with them. Leave where you're at and go find somebody. Take them by the hand. Pray with them. Encourage them right now. Let's do this right here. Come on, I declare freedom. Oh, I declare freedom for. Come on, do it right now. I declare freedom for my home. I declare freedom for my daughters. I declare freedom for my son. I declare what you Speak it over your own life right now. Declare it over your family. Declare it over your children. Declare it over your marriage right now. Declare it over your own life right now. No matter what I feel or what I see, I declare every chain is broken. We're gonna be
No matter what I feel or what I 